afternoon and welcome to At Humber. I'm Alex Zuchko. Coming up, carjackings are on the rise in the GTA. Real estate has become one of the most sought-after careers. Humber's men's soccer team is breaking records. And the Latin American Film Festival has been taking Toronto by storm. All of that coming up on today's show. Carjackings have been rising significantly this year in Toronto and the surrounding areas of the Greater Toronto Area. Toronto Police are reporting that the number of carjackings in the city this year have already surpassed the number of incidences reported in all of last year. At Humber reporter Andrew Ragunandan speaks to Elliot Silverstein, the CAA's Director of Government Relations. What is your take on the ongoing carjacking and car theft crisis in the Greater Toronto Area? Well, I, you know, I think that what we're seeing is, you know, a lot, a lot of the challenges, um, you know, that people are are facing, um, you know, is that is that, you know, there's there's a lot of um, uh, desire for for people to get these vehicles. There's certain vehicles that are in high demand. Uh, some are other situations are crimes of opportunity. Um, but but you know what what this shows me is a reminder for 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 many drivers to you know go back to some of the basic approaches that you know if you're if you're in a situation. Um, obviously, you know, don't don't fight back. You know, obviously, you don't want to put yourself or others at risk. Um, but at the same time, it's taking necessary precautions, such as you know, just making sure your doors are locked, uh, making sure you're parking in well lit areas. While it may not eliminate the challenges that we're facing on the roads today, um, it, it can minimize the the chances of something happening. You know, the recommendation is always to call law enforcement, emergency services first. So, you know, our our focus is really on providing safety if your vehicle is bro- broken down, if you're locked your keys in the car. Um, those types of situations. But if you're ever in a in a uh, situation where there's, there's there's physical danger at hand, um, police, law enforcement, emergency services, um, that is your that is your first call. It seems that like these days, when the cars are stolen from people's properties, these have the tools necessary to steal it without the key fobs. They go to doors and windows and that and scan it. Yeah, there's there's a couple of things that I think people can do. Um, if you have more than one vehicle. Um, you know, one option you could do is try to park um, your more expensive or higher end vehicle in a garage, keep it more secure. Um, if you have two cars that are outside, potentially put the one that is of lesser value um, closer to the road. So that way it makes it a bit more difficult uh, for somebody to get to the, the other vehicle. Um, but in any case, regardless of the, of the value of your vehicle, going to some of the, the, um, the, the tools that have been in place for many years, there's the... Um, the vehicle club, which is something that you can uh, attach to your steering column. And, and while it may not eliminate the challenges, um, if you have two vehicles, one that is, let's say, unlocked and one that has a club on the steering column, um, if it's a crime of opportunity, somebody's going to take the vehicle that has easier access. So by by creating these deterrents, um, it actually cr- uh, allows for a situation where um, if, if, if they're working with a matter of minutes or seconds, they may leave your car alone because it takes longer for them to get access to. But at the end of the day, you want to make sure your vehicles are locked. You have no valuables visible in your car so that there's no other attractions. Um, but also um, consider things like a Faraday box where um, it blocks out the wireless signal from your uh, your key fob if you're in your house w- would help you um, significantly. Most of these thieves and criminals who are doing these carjackings or thefts are like young teenagers. You know, I, I mean, again, there, there's there's been challenges, you know, for many many years on on vehicle thefts, vehicle break-ins, and so forth. I mean, you know, what, what you what you what you see is that you know different people at different ages, different stages of life, are are, are involved in in these situations, and obviously we want to try and deter it. Um, I, I think I think it's more the 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 broader challenge that these things are happening versus um, zoning in on a particular age demographic. I think you know some people that are technically sound may be. 
um, able to to try and capitalize on some of the, the the wireless technologies that are out there. But at the end of the day, what we focus on is really trying to encourage um, all drivers to keep their their vehicles safe, keep their vehicles locked, um, and and really minimize the threat. I mean, again, if if somebody's going to try and and take your car, they're going to try multiple ways to do so. You want to try and make it as difficult as possible. Um, but most uh, most importantly in any situation is keeping yourself safe. One advice could work too is like, especially during the evening hours, you know, if not necessarily needed, try to do all your, you know, your essential trips or other errands during the day and preferably not at night. These, these incidents can happen at at any time. I, I don't I don't want to create this this illusion that that things don't happen necessarily during the day, but but you know again, regardless of of where you're traveling or when you're traveling, you, you want to be cautious at all times. Try and park in well lit areas. Try and park in spots where there's more people around, so that way. If you do encounter a situation, you know, there may be things like video cameras or, or there may be people who can witness the situation. Again, that's that's not something that can be absolute in every circumstance, but you want to try and take those 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 opportunities where you can. That was CAA Insurance's Director of Government Relations, Elliot Silverstein. The cost of living in Ontario right now is inching higher and higher within the last few months. With uncertain times, more young people are questioning leaving the province. Ad Humber reporter Carter Roy speaks with Ben Myers, a real estate consultant, to discuss the current state of real estate. When did the cost of buying a home and renting first begin to rise? What was the initial cause? So we, we, we experienced kind of a fundamental shift from um, you know, low-density housing to high-density housing over the last 20 years. So. It went from you know the the typical home being built being a eighteen hundred to, to twenty two hundred square foot uh, you know single family home to being a you know seven hundred to nine hundred uh, square foot condominium apartment. So so it's accommodating uh, fewer people. There's less bedrooms and it's more expensive uh, to deliver that uh, that high density product than it is that low density product. So that's kind of the you know the the crux of, of, of how we got there. But again, we're also a victim of our own success. People want to move here. Uh, we're, we're creating lots of jobs. We're allowing a lot of immigration, but we're a welcoming country. Uh, and uh, and uh, so we've kind of fallen victim to, uh, to high demand and, and low supply. I'm sure you've kind of um, seen the Alberta is calling campaigns around the city and stuff. Do you just notice that people are wanting to leave Toronto or do you notice any change at all? Or do you notice more people coming in since the, for example, like the pandemic, have more people been leaving or more people come in? Obviously there's a lot of people that are leaving, right? There's a subsection of people that are are young and they, they find that they can't afford rent and they can't afford uh, to buy anything. So they're, you know, they're leaving to to Hamilton and they're leaving to London and they're leaving to Kitchener-Waterloo and, and some are, are going to Montreal and then some are actually jumping over to the Atlantic provinces. We saw huge growth in, in uh, uh, people moving from Ontario to, to Nova Scotia and to New Brunswick, uh, you know, during the pandemic uh, times. And, and now that uh, the, the energy market is back, we're seeing more of that out migration to, uh, to Alberta. But we're still seeing, you know, a net increase right you know people are you know through through immigration and through um you know through natural increases and uh and so a lot of young people want to be here and what was it like for real estate agents during the pandemic how did the job change throughout the um, COVID 19 pandemic the, the market was really strong i mean we had a you know uh 
huge uh, growth in transactions and prices during the pandemic because people were reassessing their lives, right? People were working from home. People were losing their jobs. People are, are, are getting new careers, right? So um, uh, a lot of, because people were working, educating from home, they were looking for larger apartments and larger houses. And, and because they weren't tied to a specific em- employer or a specific area uh, because of work, they were looking farther out, right? So that that you know um you know caused a lot of uh a lot of uh transactions to happen and 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 now some of those transactions are happening in reverse where people moved out and now realize they want to be back in the city or their their employees are calling them back and 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 they're being pulled back in right are there any tips when looking for a new place to get kind of like the biggest bang for your buck uh well i mean i think you have to do a lot of research right you know i don't think there's any substitute to that um, I mean, I think if you're buying, I think you need to get a good real estate agent, uh, an experienced real estate agent in the neighborhood that you're looking, um, which is, uh, you know, for people that are moving outside of the GTA, it's not always easy to, to locate the best person in the place you want to look. And especially if you're, you know, you may not, you may be looking in Guelph and Kitchener and Waterloo and because you're moving away and you, you're not, you don't have a specific neighborhood. But, uh, um, but uh, yeah, I'd always, I'd always. You know, I always give the advice if you're looking to buy to, to get a good real estate agent and a good mortgage broker. But if you're looking to rent, I would definitely recommend having all your ducks aligned, right? Having your job letter and having um, uh, your credit check uh, uh, available and, and having, um, you know, um, your, uh, what's there, your references uh, ready to go because uh, it's a really competitive marketplace. So, so people are going to... Uh, um, you know, go for the tenants that are the most most organized and 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 have essentially the best tenant resume. <laughs> Thank you so much for speaking with me. That was real estate consultant Ben Myers from Bullpen Consulting. If becoming a real estate agent has sparked your interest, here is more info on what you can do to achieve that goal. In recent years, real estate has become the most popular job-related search on Google as more people choose to pursue real estate as a career. However, with the housing market bubble bursting, it's unpredictable what might happen to all the students trying to make it big in the field. Humber College is one of the schools in the GTA to offer the program to students. So why is real estate such a popular career choice? I had a sit down with James Bosch, the Associate Dean of Education and Training Solutions at Humber College to find out. Why has real estate become so popular? Well, real estate um, is, is, a popular, uh, is a popular career path for for many individuals, uh, because it gives individuals an opportunity to to be their own boss, to chart their own direction. One thing that uh, real estate agents that have been in the business for a long time often say is that no two days are quite the same. So there's a lot of variety. Um, also, I, I, I think it's, it's very fair to point out that um, for most people, buying and selling property um, can be the most um, significant um, financial as well as personal investments and decisions that a lot of people will make in their lifetime. Um, a lot rides on buying or selling a given property at the right price. And uh, being a real estate agent gives uh, the, the person an opportunity to really help um, help people at a time that uh, that help is needed. Um, so it can be a very re- rewarding process as well. If the market bubble bursts, how does that affect sales for for real estate agents? 
Well, what I can tell you about real estate agents, um, the ones that have been in the business for a long time, the market goes up, the market goes down, the market goes sideways. The market is never a, a static uh, phenomenon. There's always fluctuations moving. And what is critical is that um, real estate professionals um, have the proper skills to function in all market conditions, uh, that they have and that they have the right uh, work ethic, which is to say that they uh, are, are willing to put in um, the, the time and energy that it takes to get the results that they want. And this all boils down to, to perseverance as well. Um, this is the work ethic is great, but it's not, it's not necessarily about the, the work that gets done on any given day, but it's the cumulative effort that takes place over an extended period of time that leads to ultimate success. And that applies as much in an up market as it does in, uh, in a down market. Is it possible for there to be too many real estate agents? Um, no, I, I, I don't think that it's, it's fair to say that point. What, what, what we have in the real estate market are basic free market principles. So um, people will be attracted to real estate when, there's an, when, there, when there are opportunities. And, um, and when, there, when the opportunities, um, when the market's cool, is a great time to, um, to retool and to um, pr- perfect and fine tune the skill sets that uh, professionals need to be successful. Um, if you don't mind, that's one of the one of the reasons that we've launched a new uh, certificate recently called uh, the Real Estate Leadership and Entrepreneurship Program. This is a brand new online certificate, and it's designed specifically for real estate professionals. Uh, it focuses on basically how to build and leverage an entrepreneurial mindset, which is so important in the real estate sector. Um, the courses include how to master the art of selling. Um, how to lead people and business processes, and again, how to harness um, an entrepreneurial mindset. So we're really excited about it, and we think it'll be a very popular option for, uh, again, current uh, industry professionals. And if if any of your listeners are interested in learning more about this certificate, they can visit our website at humber.ca forward slash rele, R-E-L-E. What's the program requirements for people? Like, can anybody become a real estate agent? The, the program requirements um, basically require uh, learners to have our minimal education requirements. And for our real estate education program, that means a, a secondary school diploma or equivalent. Um, if learners are missing their secondary school diploma or equivalent, we do offer um, aptitude testing um, here at Humber that, that tests learners on their, their reading comprehension, their writing skills, and their arithmetic skills. And um, if they can demonstrate equivalency, then, then they're granted admission. That was James Bosch, Associate Dean for Education and Training Solutions at Humber. Listening to At Humber on 96.9 Radio Humber. I'm Alex Musichko. The Humber's men's soccer team will look to capture their seventh national championship in 10 years. As they prepare for the provincial playoffs starting next week, the Hawks dominated the regular season, finishing with a perfect 10-0 record, outscoring opponents 56-5. 
After recently winning his 100th career game for Humber, head coach Michael Aquino sat with Humber reporter Angelo Ventura to discuss the success he and the team have had during their tenure. In what ways or what philosophy or mentality have you adapted that have allowed you guys to stay so consistent and dominant over the years? And what keeps that hunger alive as the players cycle in and out each year? Well, I mean, I think uh, the coaching staff is just passionate with respect to what we do, you enjoy winning, and I think uh, you know each and every year is, is a new challenge with a new group, and you sort of push yourself to see whether or not you can you know attain that that success each and every year. And so it's a combination of um, you know just just seeing if you can do it again and uh, keep the team at a very high level, a consistent level. You know I want to work with a group of players that are coachable. You know the boys got to come in and they got to be willing to. Uh, be adaptable. It's a it's a, a program that requires uh, talented players at the highest level because you know, ultimately they're coming in in August and the season's done by November. You know, for the most part, you know, the, the players that we look to bring in, we want them to try to be able to to buy into our philosophy, our ideas on on the field as quickly as possible. If you can even speak on any challenges that have arose or any trying times that you've experienced at Humber. Well, there's always. Uh, trying times i mean each uh, each and every year again brings brings new challenges right i mean first and foremost it's uh it's bringing the new group together seeing a bunch of new faces um new recruits that you've brought brought in and blending that group with the old group that's carrying over of course and uh forming a nucleus a team that is on the same page that has uh or that you know shares the same ideas as we uh, grow as a team throughout the season for example, one year we had a number of players injured where we had to call upon the depth of our roster and brought something to the team uh, that allowed us to get through that difficult period of time to you know, progress through uh, the playoffs and get into a final that saw us get to nationals. I remember one year, I believe we played a national championship final with um, two men down. And so, you know, the... Um, the mentality and the work ethic and the desire to win a national championship with nine players. You know, I mean, that's something that you can't really sometimes plan for and or expect. And so it's, you know, that in itself is a challenge. And so, you know, it could be something that's internally with a team and or an opposition or unforeseen circumstances that, uh, you know, come up in a season. And so as a group, uh, as coaches, as a head coach, as, uh, as players, you know, we try to come together in, in hopes of achieving success given the obstacles in front of us. What separates Humber's soccer program from the rest that you've been able to kind of see for yourself? You know, for example, uh, our training camp. You know, there's not, you know, I, I don't know how many other colleges and or universities for that matter are capable of, uh, you know, taking the, an entire team to um, different preseason camps overnight for you know, four or five uh, four or five nights, or, or taking you know trips to Montreal as we've done in the past, so that we can you know begin to bring the group together and build identity and uh, build an understanding amongst the staff and players, so that it sets the uh, the early tone for for the group. Having that support from our athletic department is important. The the commitment from the coaches, um, you know, and to to put a plan in place and to deliver the plan, um, you know. So our assistant coaches are fabulous, and uh, our support staff, you know. And then the players themselves they buy into the to the previous successes of the program, and so guys come in, 
you know, they they see the success of, of previous years, and I and I truly believe that they want to, you know, be the next group that continues the the legacy of our successes of previous years to be able to compete on a national level, and I think the um, the aura of uh, of of what is Humber soccer in the last ten years, uh, everybody uh, wants to be a part of it. Players enjoy being a part of it, and I think what we've uh, been able to uh, put together. Um, you know, drives that motivation for everybody to just maintain the status of our program. You know, it's our expectation, our goal, that we want to be competing for a national championship now. I mean, we've won uh, six of the last nine national mm-hmm. championships. And so, you know, I think we've uh, we've set a precedent. So anything less, um, you know, would feel a little bit of a failure, perhaps. And so, you know, we push ourselves to... Uh, to try to achieve that. And of course, uh, on the field, it's about the soccer success, but in the classroom, you know, we hope that players are obviously uh, uh, in programs that they enjoy and that they're completing, and that at the end of this experience, the student-athletes, they walk away with a good, uh, a good education and a, and a good soccer experience. That was Humber men's soccer coach, Michael Aquino. Now, if the soccer team breaking records hasn't already brightened up your day, maybe the Latin American Film Festival will. If you're looking for a good cultural program for the weekend, here's a good option for you. The Toronto Latin American Film Festival is happening during the whole month of October. On the Latin American Heritage Month, you can celebrate Canada's cultural diversity with Latin movies, all for free and with English subtitles. At Humber's reporter, Barbara Patrocinio, talks to Oscar Vigil, Executive Director of the Hispanic Canadian Heritage Council, about the event. Cuéntame. A ver, no hay mucho que contar. So can you tell me a little bit more about this festival, like the idea behind it, how you guys like came up with this? We started the Toronto Latin American Film Festival eight years ago. Uh, the idea is to bring the production that uh, Latin American countries have in um, uh, the best production they have. Uh, and also to scream to the production that Canadian Latin American filmmakers are doing here in Canada. Uh, we start with the uh, first four of movies <laughs> the first time, and then uh, now we are uh, screening 29 movies between large and, and shorts, uh, 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 and we are representing almost all the Latin American countries, Brazil is included, uh, Argentina, Paraguay, the more than 20 Latin American countries that uh, we represent the, His- the Hispanic Latin American community here are present in the Toronto Latin American Film Festival. And how do you think festivals like this where we show our culture can make us feel closer to our roots? Uh, the first thing, literally, the movies bring us together. <laughs> it's a lot of a lot of people here. Uh, this movie was Argentinian, but uh, you see people from Ecuador, from Rep- Dominican Republic, from El Salvador, from Mexico, from Argentina, a lot, of course. Then, literally, uh, the movies are bringing us together. But more important is the, the appreciation of our culture. You know, uh, we are very proud Canadians, but we... We need to, 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 to remember our, our roots too. Don't forget our roots. And these uh, movies uh, help us to, 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 to keep alive this uh, feeling that, okay, we are very 
Peru Canadians, but we have a history too. And uh, we have a, a very talented people in, in our Latin American countries. You can see what they produce and, and the Latino Canadians that are studying in, in, in the college here in the universities, they learn a lot of techniques. They uh, have a lot of knowledge, but you know what? They need a little bit the, the vibe of the Latin American producers too, because he said the Canadian cinema is a, little, a bit different with the Latin American cinema. And uh, the vibe, the feeling of Latin American is a very interesting um, uh, issue if you are producing, and our, our people here, our producer here, uh, it's not bad to learn a little bit about what they are doing, the filmmakers are doing uh, the sort of the border. And what would you say to people who haven't had experience of participating yet? Come to feel the experience, to experience, to, to, to see yourself at the, at the screen, because the, this will be short from a Latino-Canadian producer, and some of them are, are actually reflecting what our community is doing here, what the community um, feel, is feeling here. And this is an excellent opportunity to come and to see yourself at the screen and to see how people are seeing us. Because uh, at the end, yes, we are Canadians, but you have a color. Uh, if you were here, probably you don't have an access, accent. But, uh, but you, have a, you have a feeling at the end. You, you are Canadian with truth in Latin America. Okay. It's an excellent opportunity to see how people are seeing you. And what do you think Canadians can learn about Latin America with this festival? In Hollywood movies, what you see is the Latin American people are the gardener, the cleaning lady, the gang. Here, the Canadians can see who the real Latin American people are. You know, we are professionals, we are artists. We are a very vibrant community, a very happy community too, but uh, we have a lot of professionals here. We have a lot of people that is contributing to the society, and then that you can see in the Toronto Latin American Film Festival. We, are, we have gardeners, we have cleaning ladies, but we have a lot of valuable people that are doing a great job for the development of this country. That was Oscar Vigil, executive director of the Hispanic-Canadian Heritage Council. And that's it for At Humber. Today's contributors were Andrew Raganandan, Carter Roy, Angelo Ventura, and Barbara Patrocinio. Our technical producer is Noah Skanga. I'm Alex Zuchko. At Humber is produced by students in the journalism program and the radio broadcasting program on 96.9 Radio Humber.